Yes, we are back aboard with a brand new month and a brand new edition of the Last Word on Sports Media podcast. I am the somewhat competent host, somewhat rested, although some jet lag from being in Las Vegas for the World Welterweight title win by Terrence Crawford. Some boxing conversation. Uh, is Terrence Crawford done hitting Errol Spence yet? I'm not sure. As we come into a new week, he's still beating him up as we come in here on the Last World on Sports Media Podcast. I'm merely TJ Reeves. I've enlisted the help of a couple of good uh, media buddies of mine that do great work in many different forms and fashions. Hello, Tyler Jones uh, of Chat Sports, uh, also of various podcast ventures, the Jones Report, and also the NASCAR uh, themed uh, show, Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler, it's always great to be on. Uh, here with me on many subjects, including sports media here. How are we feeling, Tyler Jones, as we start a new month? PJ, always a good time to chat with you, my friend. And football finally back, sort oh. of, with the uh, Hall of Fame game this week. So that's certainly intriguing, but plenty of stuff to talk about, a lot going on. And by the way, Tyler is right in the footprint of the Big 12. I love his insight. And man, do we have a lot of, to talk about with conference realignment. Also very versatile. And my Tampa Bay brother from another mother, one of my wingmen in the Tampa Bay area, is one Jason Powers of the Powers on Sports podcast. Jason also does uh, a bunch of other uh, great work and assignments, including the Florida Football Insiders podcast. Uh, hangs out with me on some fill-in radio, uh, et cetera. And always good to be on this show to talk some sports media, brother Powers. Good to be with you as we roll in now to the eighth month of the year and football is about to be here for real. My first question for you, Mr. Reeves, is Mrs. Reeves, has she gotten out the khaki pants? Because you're going to be on a sideline in about a week. That is for correct. A, for a preseason opener. I, I am for the record. People can't see us completely if, unless they see a social media tease of this. I am in a Buccaneer polo, but I do not have the khaki pants on now as part of the Buccaneer sideline attire. But that will be uh, upcoming for all of the radio coverage preseason and regular season. By the way, thank you for finding us. However, you've done so. Last word on sports media podcast feed. Not only this show, but also George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Great storytelling podcast slanted towards Chicago. Their sports heroes, their sports media members. Curtis Granderson is the guest this week. The Grandy Man. Should I say it like John Sterling? The Grandy Man. The Grandy Man is on the pod this week. The Grandy Man born and raised in Chicago, but never played for the Cubs or the White Sox. He played uh, many years uh, with the Tigers, the Mets, the Yankees. Anyway, the Grandy Man is now in the media on TBS's coverage. George Offman has him this week. Again, you find that podcast on this feed. And also Phil DeMont Mullen, Mike Gill do a great job with the Announcer Schedules podcast that's out later in the week on this feed. Who does it well uh, at, at the national level, TV and radio? Find it all right here. Subscribe, follow Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. With all the promotion out of the way, let's get into it, boys. I want to talk college football first at the moment at the time we're doing this podcast in the evening hours of tuesday night august 1st the ground is shaking again for conference realignment the big 12 come uh, appears to be again the come to papa conference here of trying to get some more teams it may very well be tyler jason and audience that by the time you're hearing this podcast wednesday especially to Thursday, we have clarity on did the Big 12 add another team besides Colorado last week? Did they add three more teams, which could happen? Tyler, you're kind of a resident Big 12 inside the footprint guy, keeps up with all of this. What do you make of this here with the rumors about Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, one, two, three of them? What do you make of this, again, for realignment in the Big 12 and, and what would devastate the Pac-12? 
Man, TJ, I look at it very simply. Uh, think about this, okay? We're talking just dollars and cents-wise. The Big 12 offers more money, $31.7 million per year, comparably speaking to the Pac-12, that's at least $20 million. Uh, a team like Arizona would fall in that $20 million line. You get all your games, for the most part, on television, on linear, on cable, and uh, on network television with an ESPN Plus component to some games. And comparatively speaking to the Pac-12 side, you're going to be almost 100% on streaming on Apple. So to me, I, I don't understand why this is such a difficult decision. Think about this too. Besides just the Big 12 having the advantage of the better TV contract and more money, but also the other factor is that anyone can leave the Pac-12 without paying a exit fee. The grant of rights in the Pac-12 are up by the end of next year. So Colorado's already made the move. I expect Arizona to go as well. Utah, Arizona State, come on through. I think the Big 12 is thriving in this next era of what's ahead. Brett Yormark has done an incredible job. Contrary to George Kliakoff at the Pac-12, I don't know if one decision he's made that's been the right decision here. That's the other factor, too. Leadership alone, why would you put your basically life in George Kliakoff's hands at this point and instead of taking what you know is a better offer, better TV deal, and better security, better leadership in what the Big 12 has? To me, I, I think this, is, this should be an easy call for those schools to jump ship. And again, the television money is drastic here, and uh, there's a lot of belief there may not be a Pac-12 like a year from now. It may disintegrate. Jason, do you buy that uh, here? And how is it that Klaviakov, uh did not have some kind of deal ready by Pac-12 media day time? I see you shaking your head because I can see you on video. Your thoughts here real quick on, on how – is it DEFCON 2 or even now down to DEFCON 1 for the Pacific? Well, they're the Pacific 9 right now. They don't have 12 right. teams. Yeah, I mean, the team that I'm most interested in seeing where they're going, and I'm shocked because they probably have the deepest pockets in the Pac-12, is Phil Knight in Oregon. I'm shocked that you've not heard more chatter about where they're going because with as much deep pockets as they have and as much money, they and I know geographically it ain't great for the, for the Big Ten or the Big 12 for Oregon, but as deep of pockets and such a branding concept that they have in Eugene with Nike – I'm shocked they're not, but but as Tyler's point, it's a no-brainer for the Colorados and the Arizona schools to go. And if you're Utah, don't get left behind because, I mean, Utah's really branded themselves in the last 10 years by being in one of the big five conferences, and they've shown that they can compete on a national level in those conferences, especially in football, uh, with what they've done in the Pac-12. But and you're right, Kliakoff, they had a worse commissioner before Kliakoff. That's the funny part. Larry <laughs> Scott before him was even yeah. worse. So the interesting component as we bring it back to sports media is if they add three more to BYU and Colorado, they can start running a regular 11 p.m.-ish Eastern time game with five schools, two in the mountain time zone, uh, actually three in the mountain time zone. It would be BYU, Utah, Colorado, hypothetically, two in the Pacific time zone, except right. when the time change happens in Arizona, then they're in the mountain time zone in the middle of the year, two schools in Arizona. You could run an 11 Eastern 
nine local, let's say, game basically every week in conference play for a TV partner because now you have five schools instead of at the moment two, BYU and Colorado. So don't think that that's not a a big factor in this as well. Tyler, quick prediction. By this time next year, and I know it's a next year prediction, is there a Big 12 anymore or does this begin to just tip completely over and the Big Ten follows the Big 12 and goes and gets Oregon, like Jason was mentioning, Washington, and the Pac-12 just ceases to be in business? Prediction on a year from now. I think the Pac-12 is still alive a year from now in some way, shape, or form. It could be majority of Mountain West teams. right? Uh, but I do think the Pac-12 will exist in some way. What that looks like, if they're really a true Power 5 league or not, remains to be seen. But think about this. Cal and Stanford have no interest whatsoever in going to the Big 12. Washington State and Oregon State aren't getting invites to the Big 12. So that's four teams that are probably pretty well set to stay in the pack, barring Cal and Stanford getting a Big Ten invite here. Um, And the Big Ten side of things, if they're interested in an Oregon or a Washington or Cal or Stanford, the way their contract is compared to where the Big 12 is at with the pro rata situation, the Big Ten would have to create a fourth TV package. Kevin Warren tried to do that previously, but couldn't quite get what he needed to get done to make that happen. If you create a fourth TV package, that fourth TV partner isn't going to get even close to the quality of games of what CBS, Fox, and NBC. You see you're getting so it's a it's a tougher mountain to move for the Big Ten than people realize here and again Oregon uh in the Portland market and then and then Washington the Seattle market that would be a big deal if the Big Ten can get those going to the Pac-12 and and could that and could that be as well but maybe they are obviously they don't play football so that's another that's another rumor that that that's been out there that Gonzaga UConn or a basketball school uh even in the east might be interested so uh, we'll see on that. Jason, while I have you here, just a quick thought. And again, we don't know this. It's fluid. It's unfolding. Florida State's board is meeting on Wednesday. There is some belief that they might take some action of some kind, if not this week, but shortly, to maybe explore being in another conference. What is your read? Because Jason played Division One college football as a kicker for, a, what, a season or a couple of seasons at Florida State. What's your read and what are you hearing about the Knowles being in play, et cetera? To me, if you're the Knowles, I mean, you're pro- you're probably trying to make a power play with the ACC to get a bigger chunk of the pie in the ACC. And but but I think you're waiting for the SEC. If the SEC is going to expand, you want to be on that next tier of teams that that gets the invite. Because to me, that's the natural. You know, if, geographically, it's a natural fit for Florida State. If, if they're going to leave the ACC, the SEC is the place for them to go. It would not be a good look for Florida State to be in the Big Ten, even the Big. Of course 12. not. I mean, the SEC is where Florida State, because, again, they they are very competitive basketball, baseball, softball. That's a very natural fit for those guys to, to fit into the to the SEC. If they and here's the – here's, yeah, go ahead, Tyler. Um, on the Florida State front, it gets messy with the legalese side of things of trying to get out of that grant of rights, which they've given their livelihood to till what is it, 2035. And then you mentioned – uh, Jason, the SEC, where they want to be, well, that's, you know, the SEC is embedded the 
ESPN, as is the ACC. If you're ESPN, right. why do I want to pay a whole lot more for Florida State than what I'm already getting? Like, that's that's tough. And, and then you mentioned the Big Ten aspect of it. Okay, we're going to go play for Fox. If, if I'm ESPN, why would I let that happen, too? There's a Correct. whole lot more hurdles to climb for Florida State and ACC members compared to what's going on out West right now. I think it's a good point that you make. And the interesting thing is Jason and I are older. I'm a little older. We're both significantly older than you, Tyler, you youngin. Florida State had a chance to be in the Southeastern Conference more than 30 years ago and wanted to be in the ACC because they knew they could dominate more in football and it would be so much better for their basketball program and every every other aspect of their athletic department. So it is kind of interesting. They passed on that chance, right? Powers, quick comment. Could have been in the SEC back in the early 90s, 30 years ago. Yeah, and I and I can I, I'm gonna, I shouldn't be gloating here, but I was on the first ever ACC championship team at Florida State. You have a ring. You have I an do. ACC title ring. I do because they do. they showed up and, and Tyler, you were a neophyte. No, I don't even think you were on the planet. They showed <laughs> up and won like every ACC game for literally what Jason three seasons or four seasons, three or four years. Back to that famous Thursday night game at Virginia when they got stopped on the last play of the game at, in Charlottesville. And that's the Barber brothers. And by the way, later this week, speaking of the Pro Football Hall of Fame game in the Hall of Fame, Tiki Barber and Rondé Barber. Rondé going into the Hall of Fame, Tiki will introduce him. They had a huge night that night. Virginia's win over Florida State. They've never let Warwick Dunn, Derek Brooks, and that group forget it. That's, that was Florida State. It took four years for an ACC team to beat them, Tyler. That's how dominant Florida State was back in the day. All right, enough about college football. Tyler is big with the NFL and the coverage of the Seahawks, the Ravens, and the Patriots on Chat Sports, doing daily uh, content for all of those teams, training camps underway. Uh, I'm curious about one situation in particular, the Patriots. You're dealing with Patriot fans a bunch. I get the sense media, anti from the fans of the other teams in the AFC East, et cetera. There is a lot of Patriot Eight. There are a lot of people waiting in the weeds for the Patriots to be bad again and miss the playoffs again. Do you sense a little bit of anxiety or panic from dealing with Patriot fans and, and seeing how the situation is unfolding with training camp? Or what do you perceive, Tyler? Everybody's pointing the finger at Belichick, uh, you know, saying that, hey, clearly he's not the same coach without Tom Brady. And you look at the results, one playoff appearance, no playoff wins since Tom Brady left town and there hasn't been much to show for it at all. And it's not just that Belichick's the head coach, but also the GM making these decisions. And you look at just the town that brought in, like they, they have a, a good roster. They got some good players, but they don't have any great talent. And, and that's their, their big issue. And I think what you're seeing, whether it's guys like Deandre Hopkins or Dalvin cook or others, they see Belichick and they know his reputation, and uh, and they know how old he is now. I think guys don't want to play for Belichick. I think that that's kind of turning players off uh, to go a different direction, that Belichick is kind of the fall guy here. And if the Patriots don't make the postseason, I think Belichick's going to be gone after this year. All right, good stuff there, Tyler. Jason Powers, uh, weigh in. Your perception, your thought on this real quick. And DeAndre Hopkins could have been there, said no. Doesn't look like Dalvin Cook wants to be there. I mean, it's one thing if Tom Brady's there and you're winning all the time, right. you can put up with all the stuff. Is the word out right now, or is that media perception and internet perception? It, 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 what has been the Belichick's MO the last 20 years as far as free agents? Low-balling them, not paying them 
market value or whatever the perceived market value is. He loves trying to get guys on discounts. Hopkins, it wasn't going there. Dalvin Cook's probably not going there. I will give him credit. He did. He realized the error of his ways last year with the coaching staff situation. He's brought in a competent guy with Bill O'Brien, who he knows. I think that will help the offensive side of things. But you're right, Tyler. A lot of pressure on Bill Belichick. How much patience will Bob Kraft have, even though he's got all the Super Bowl rings? It'd be now four or five years with only one playoff appearance. I'm with Tyler. This could. This is a pivotal year if, up in Foxborough. If they miss the playoffs and Belichick is back next year, he's not GM. He's got to give something up. Like they are going to say, "Hey, what what's going on the last couple of years isn't going to fly." Like if he can keep everything if they make the postseason to win a playoff game, but if they don't, then he might lose it all. And I believe the record is 77 and 88. I think I have that right. Cleveland Browns, New England Patriots record without Tom Brady, 77 and 88, three playoff appearances, one playoff win without Tom Brady. And so, and that playoff win was in Cleveland, Jason Powers with Vinny Testaverde <laughs> as the quarterback yep. back in the, again, Tyler wasn't on the planet yet. We keep making reference to that. Here's one interesting thing with on the Nick Patriots. Saban is DC. Yeah. By Nick, the way. Sadrew, Nick Saban, the defensive coordinator, by the way, Patriots primetime games. So this is interesting. They play early in the year. Tyler knows this, but for the audience, they play early in the year in the second Sunday night game of the season with Miami. That's not going to get flexed out of Sunday night. That will remain there. They play later in the year on Thursday night against Pittsburgh. That I believe they can flex out of that now if they want to in the NFL, if they choose to. I doubt the Steelers get flexed. Probably no. not. Right. So then you have the Chiefs and the uh, Patriots for Sunday night football, December 18th. That could very likely, if the Patriots are bad, get flexed out. Mahomes or no Mahomes, that may not be a Sunday night game. And then the next game is Sunday night football for the Christmas Eve game on December 24th. Patriots and Broncos in Denver, where they that both they both could be bad. But how do you flex out a Christmas Eve night there? Maybe they will. Just, just something to think about. Yep. That New England more than likely keeps most or all of their primetime games, even if they're bad, because of how they've been slotted on that. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Um, all right, good stuff on the football. Let's move on to a couple of other subjects on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast while I have Tyler Jones and Jason Powers with me here. Powers, I'm going to uh, vary up the batting order. Uh, we have been talking a lot, all three of us are golf guys, about this whole situation with the PGA Tour, the Live Golf Tour, this new entity, the lawsuits going away, a ceasefire that was agreed to, and that's about the only thing that was agreed to, was a ceasefire on lawsuits. 
and even the second component of the ceasefire that Live Golf could not raid any more PGA Tour players, that's gone away. So the only real ceasefire you have right now is the lawsuits because if Live Golf is going to still exist and they want to go grab more players, they're they're allowed to do it uh, under the scenario. All right, so the latest news, Jason, is that on Tuesday it has been announced that Tiger Woods, hey, what a surprise. Tiger Woods now swoops in as the sixth player member of the player council out of what was a 10-person council. It's now a 6-5 advantage for the players. Uh, and, and importantly, what's now a distinction is not only do they outrank the non-playing board members, but now it is in writing that no longer can Jay Monahan negotiate anything or any of the board negotiate anything without the player council's approval, without the players approving it. That just says to me even more in this scenario that Jay Monahan was told to go away. I don't have that on any authority, but I think that was a cooling off thing. He's never explained and nobody's ever explained what was wrong and why he went away. So I, along with a lot of other people, are entitled to the opinion. What's the most likely thing here? All right, I said enough. What do you make of this as it relates to the majors are over with? We're now getting ready to go into the PGA Tour playoffs. The Ryder Cup is coming up. The Live Golf is resuming on TV. What do you make of this, uh, Jason? Quick thought here. Tiger's the new de facto commissioner of the PGA Tour in his new role. He, I mean, he's not going to be playing next very little, if at all, here these next few years. Right. Who knows what his health condition is but as far as being able to play. But this might be Tiger's legacy moving forward is him kind of being the mastermind and the puppeteer with this whole relationship. And it'll be interesting to see how that goes and how much – you know, wielding power of being the greatest of all time and the most powerful guy of all time, especially with media rights coming yep. up at some point soon, how how much, you know, influence. And, and he must have the interest in wanting to contribute because I don't think he would have taken on that role unless he seriously wanted it to be a, a major player. Tyler Jones on that point, it appears certainly Tiger and maybe even Rory McIlroy are one and one A at now running the show. Is that is that what this says to you? Yeah, well, remember, the PGA Tour was supposed to be this way. It's supposed to be run by the players, you know, started by Jack and Arnold and everything with that. And so I think a big reason why you're seeing these guys like Tiger and Rory take this stance is because they see their legacy attached to it, that uh, they don't want to be seen as not doing enough to keep the PGA Tour alive. And attached with the fall of the PGA Tour more than anything, I think it's about image and legacy and all that uh, off the off the uh, course more than anything uh, for for both Tiger and Rory here is is that that long term thing how they're remembered here. Let me tell you what else it's about. It's about hundreds of millions of dollars going to both of them because their yeah. companies, their sponsors. All kinds of things are involved and intertwined. Foundations. And their foundations. And by the way, there are other ventures that are around golf. Tiger's, uh, what is it, Pop Stroke that's coming up right. everywhere. Right. And, and they have this new made-for-TV indoor golf thing that's coming next year. They're both the two main guys behind it, Tiger and Rory. It's about green, money, moolah, bread, as much as legacy uh, and anything else, and they don't want it jeopardized. And we'll see what the new company looks like if there ever is a new company. Quick take from both of you, and then we're going to move on. Is this new company thing ever going to get off the ground, or is basically what's going to happen, the clock is going to run out run out on this, and we're going to have a PGA Tour and a Live Golf Tour, and probably a PGA Tour that doesn't have Jay Monahan as the commissioner anymore? 
I would say give I would say probably give it another six months to a year to let them figure out the details. But I think they will eventually come to a one one company branding name of some sort. And you're right, Jay Monahan's on the way out the door. It's just a matter of at what point he gets the the, the parachute uh, uh, severance package. Tyler, thought on that new company? I agree with uh, with Jason here. I do think we are going to see one company eventually. The Saudis already put their money into both. I don't see them backing down. Uh, that's one factor I think that doesn't get said enough here is maybe the PGA Tour and Live, the people on the inside might want to do their own things here. But as long as the Saudis control the dollars, I think that you're going to see these these com- this company come together as one brand. I, I have always believed Live Golf is going to not only finish this year, but play in 2024. Quick comment. You agree, Tyler? Is Live Golf playing next year? I believe they will be, and I think they're going to announce. I was told by a source you're going to hear them announce their 2024 schedule coming up. Whether or not they would, actually play it, another question. What, what do you believe, Tyler? What do you think? I would not have thought that a month or so ago, but as time goes on, we haven't heard any plans of – a real merger, I would think that Liv is going to be back next year for uh, a full schedule here. Jason Powers, best guess? I agree. I mean, I th- it wouldn't shock me if they're back, but it also wouldn't shock me if mid-February of next year it all blows up, the whole calendar blows up, and they all have a kumbaya at the Masters next year. That To me, that could be the that could <laughs> be like the tournament that. where they all have the big announcement and, and a kumbaya moment It would be, would be at Augusta. All right. Uh, we move on to the media subjects. I love the roundtable. Tyler Jones, gracious to be with me. He's at Tyler Jones Live. Also, Jason Powers, JPO Sports, Powers on Sports Podcast. Uh, Tyler with the Jones Report. Tyler with Chat Sports' coverage of the NFL, specifically the Seahawks. He's all about... Uh, Geno Smith and the Seahawks, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and then whatever with the New England Patriots, Mac Jones. Who is the backup in New England? I don't even know. Who's Zappy. Who Zappy is it? Zappy is still Zappy is still the backup. Who was going to be the new Tom Brady? Remember for like one game last year or right. two games that he played well, and then he uh, turned back into a journeyman young quarterback. Uh, but in any event, uh, Tyler keeps up with all of that on Chat Sports. Let's move to the soccer. Uh, and the coverage of the women's national team for the United States, the coverage in the wee hours of the morning. All right, the short version is the U.S. advances to the round of 16 and will be playing this weekend. The bad news is they look bad in a tie, a nothing-nothing tie with Portugal on uh, early Tuesday morning as we tape this Tuesday night U.S. time. Tuesday night in New Zealand, they played the game so much so that in my house with the twin 15 year old girls, we got up and watched a tape of the game to watch a nothing, nothing game boys, Jason and Tyler, as did everybody else that taped it in the middle of the night powers. Were you up in the middle of the night watching this, this nothing, nothing game? I won't tell you why I was, I was up at that hour, but I ended up staying up and watching from whistle to whistle and the U.S. team was six inches away from being eliminated last night. Not just, not just as a, as a number two seed in the group, they hit the Portugal hits the post in the 91st minute. If they score, the U.S. is out. Right, right. They would have won the game, presumably won the nothing and knocked them out. Uh, and so you were watching. I, I was watching on tape delay. Too. Yeah. And the post game with Carly Lloyd. All right, so let's get right into that. Jason, you first and Tyler. Carly Lloyd has decorated a recent player in U.S. women's soccer history. Two World Cup wins, two gold medal wins as part of the team. FIFA Female Player of the Year twice. Leading goal scorer on the women's team in the last decade. She blasted the situation with this team on several fronts, talking about the culture that when she retired in 2021, two years ago after the Olympics, she saw problems with the culture. 
Uh, she talked about and said, I'm paraphrasing, but I have most of it correct. It's not so much about winning, but it's now what comes from winning. In other words, fame, money, or now getting into social issues and politics. I thought she was taking an indirect shot at Megan Rapino with that comment. Some incendiary stuff that went on in the middle of the night. Had those comments been on in prime time, it would have been everywhere, blasted immediately. It took a while on Tuesday for that to get out. All right, Tyler Jones, to you just real quick. What what do you make of Carly Lloyd taking off on the women's national team here that barely got through to the knockout round? I think she's 100% right. Uh, I look at this team, and I the last thing I almost think about is soccer. You know, we see the ESPY award a couple weeks ago, and – the social justice movement they're a part of and uh, all the talking, like go play ball. We, you know, you can figure all that stuff out later. Um, to me, it, it, you know, we've obviously we know about the equal pay and, and all that here, you know, it, it's, it's too much going on. And, and I'm not surprised to see these results of the field when they got other stuff going on that they're not putting their full efforts towards. And I think Carly Lloyd's spot on. I don't think she missed at all. Jason Powers, so many times these analysts come on these different games and these biggest stages and they won't criticize. And then you have the other extreme where Carly Lloyd not only went after, but then doubled down with follow-up comments about this. Uh, your thoughts here on a, on a former player blasting some of her former teammates in this instance. And she blasted the coach, too. She was eviscerating the coach, who apparently her and him had had a little bit of a rub because he's only been the coach for about three years. They, they, she and him, I don't know if they had a rub, but she left the, the national team a couple years ago in retirement. Who knows, was it was it forced? Was it her, her decision? Whatever. Here's the other thing about the awareness issue you, Tyler talked about with the national team. After the game last night, you've just escaped with your lives to advance. They're taking speed pictures with the fans right like they won five to nothing they're over there and the, hanging out with the fans like they i mean like they're the, i mean she made a great point they are playing with an arrogance as opposed to a work ethic there is right. zero little work ethic with that team and she's and a, a lot of those kids are new people on the team it's not correct. like those and many she's of those a people She's abundantly qualified to know the difference. Yeah. And I believe she is speaking as, hey, when I was in this situation as a veteran, as an older player, this, I'll just say it, this crap wouldn't go on. That we would we would we would basically take care of uh, you know, the misbehavior, dancing around. She was talking about dancing around on the field before the game, not focused, playing without emotion, that kind of stuff that it polices itself when the veteran players, the world championship, world-class caliber players uh, police it. Um, but again, I, I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was an what? indirect shot at, at Megan Rapino because Megan Rapino is clearly, clearly the dominant person in that locker room and in that situation to the point that I believe there are probably some players that disagree with her, but are almost in fear of what happens if we speak out against this, what happens to us if we do thought on that from both of you before we go, Jason, I would say this though. Rapino's not a starting player anymore though. So she's Correct. not playing. A, she's only playing as a bit part player on but this. But when she's talking, when team. Lloyd is talking, can I just interject? When, she, when Lloyd is talking culture, when Lloyd is talking things on the field that are Correct. more important than winning, Things Correct. that winning have given you. I, who is who is that aimed at? If not Megan Rapino, Jason. 
No, I agree. You're and you're right. You're right. But I and I also think she's taking a shot at the younger players who've not earned the that World Cup right. rating, that sure. ranking has been a part of the championship team. Tyler Jones, thought on that? Say what you want about Hope Solo, but would that have flown when Hope Solo was around? How aggressive uh she was and wanted to win? Uh no. I mean, it's a it's a different t- day and time now. And this team's priorities are clearly in the wrong place. And they're the other thing too, like they are the most talented team without question. Yes. The, the only thing that can stop them is themselves at this point. And uh, I would be surprised if they end up winning it all because of that culture that's been established here of going the wrong direction. And two more things. Number one, this is why several prominent American players have gone to play for other countries because they have dual citizenship because they know they have no hope of either making or playing on this team. That's how deep the U.S. team is. And one other factor, because they finished second place in their group, they got the lesser schedule to the U.S. team. So that means the game, and help me here, the game Sunday morning, the round of 16 game, is on at like 5 a.m., Eastern time instead of being on in prime time, Saturday night, us time it's Sunday morning. And should they win the elite eight quarterfinal game would also be on at three o'clock in the morning, next Friday morning, basically a week and a half from now. That's a disaster for Fox trying to show those games, Jason. And in the round of 16, the U S has came into the tournament as the number one rated team in the world. They're playing the number three rated team in the world in Sweden in the round of 16. So, you know, the odd, I mean, they're going to be an underdog going into this game the way they've played. And, mm. you know, and the coach, to me, the coaching is part a big part of this too. They may have made a bad choice on the coach. And uh, Dovich, I believe is how you say the name, the male coach. Jill Ellis won the two World Cups. Coach Jill in our household. We loved Coach Jill when yeah. we were younger, and I think a lot of people did. Uh, Tyler, quick thought on the disaster for Fox. They get a lot of great stuff. And a lot of great ratings off of stuff like football, like Major League Baseball, the NASCAR. But they're going to take a hit here with this stuff in the middle of the night. Yeah, and this is a time for them where they don't have a whole lot of stuff to air other than this right now. So this is a huge blow for Fox because they were dependent on the U.S. women's national team playing in prime time on Fox and FS1 and all that. And you go from having seven or eight million people watching and then live, you're going to maybe have a couple of million, maybe three million. I doubt it. I mean, it would be a stretch to think it would be more than two or three million as opposed to you might get 10 million or more for one of these knockout games if it's all in time. If they win Sunday, I think the second game on Friday early morning would get a good rating. If they were to pull it together. What's a good rating? Three million instead of 10? I mean, if that that Elite Eight game is on on Thursday night instead of Friday morning, a week from now we're talking about, nine or ten days from now, that thing's going to have 10 million people watching. And that's going to affect the ad sales for the next couple of World Cups after that. Well, right. It would it would probably do so as well. A couple of more subjects that I got to get Tyler and Jason on their way on the last word on sports media podcast. Uh, just real quick, Tyler, give me an update on the NASCAR television deals. Real quick thought on what they're doing and how it relates not only to the Xfinity series, but the cup negotiations with TV in lightness, please. So the Xfinity series announced their deal first and for the First time ever, it's a separate component from the Cup TV package. NASCAR was looking to maximize and increase revenue, so they sold it as two different packages. The Xfinity Series moves from Fox, FS1, NBC, and USA, uh, where the 
all but about five races were on cable to the CW beginning in 2025 for every race, all 33 Xfinity races, practice and qualifying sessions as well. Uh, Network TV, all 33 races. NASCAR is going to produce it in-house, not produced by the CW, and $115 million. To give you perspective, ESPN pays F1 about $75 million. So NASCAR's second-tier series is getting the same amount and about a third more than what F1 gets from the U.S. market. So that's a big deal. On the Cup side of things, it sounds like Fox and NBC are probably going to come back, but with less races. They'll probably carve out a summer schedule of sorts of about six races to go to a streamer, likely Amazon, could be Apple, uh, to stream those six races. There was thoughts that the Xfinity series was going to go to streaming, but there was pushback from Xfinity teams saying, hey, that's going to make things tougher to sell to our sponsors if we're not on TV, if we're on streaming. Well, and bear in mind uh, that the NASCAR television deal for the Cup Series is up after next year. I would think Fox and NBC are still in their negotiation window, their exclusive negotiation window, right, Exclusive, exclusive window's over. So that's over with. So now they can do a deal with anybody. That's interesting. With still a season to go, potentially a lame duck season for somebody if they don't get the deal done. Uh, for the NASCAR ratings, and that is fascinating about how much they got for the Xfinity Series. And for CW, everybody was laughing when CW jumped in with Live Golf. Back to them. CW has done a deal now for this season for the ACC, like third-tier football and basketball upcoming, and now they've got Xfinity Series racing. They are trying to dive in, not unlike – Tyler, I keep saying this – not unlike the early 90s before when you were a neophyte when Fox suddenly became a big deal because they got the NFL. This is not the NFL, but CW is trying to build their network up through sports and whatever sports they can get their hands on so that more affiliates want to carry their programming and uh, and sell ads. So it's just interesting on that one final topic. And then we've got to go the NBA uh, broadcasting for ESPN. We now know that Mark Jackson earlier this week has announced he has been let go by ESPN with two years left on his deal. He and Jeff Van Gundy had done the last 15 NBA finals together. Van Gundy had done 17 in a row. They're both gone. The reporting is that it's going to be Doc Rivers, former coach with multiple teams, former championship coach with the Celtics, and Rivers was previously a TV analyst with ESPN, ABC, and Doris Burke will be elevated as the third person in the booth, it is not clear as to whether the three of them will do all of the games together. Will some of them be Breen and Burke? Will some of them be Breen and Doc Rivers only? Will all of them be all three, including the playoffs? Certainly for the playoffs and the finals, all three of them will be together. But what about the regular season? We don't know. All right, reactions from both of you. Jason Powers, thoughts on Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, both deleted here. Quick thought. I am, I am stunned that Van Gundy got let go. It, to me, that that tells me that's an NBA move because he was critical at times of the NBA, some things in the league. He was tremendous. And he only had one more year on his contract. So if you're ESPN, and why would you get rid of Van Gundy and not let him go one more year and just not renew his contract? Now you're having to pay him and Mark Jackson out, plus pay Doc Rivers, who's right. already making six or seven, eight, ten million million $10 million from the 76ers when he got fired. Doc Rivers is the guy living in fantasy land now. I mean, Rivers is a good a good announcer. I just it's it's a surprising move to me. I I didn't love Mark Jackson, but Van Gundy to me was the big surprise. 
Tyler, thoughts on the moving and shaking, which again, ESPN has had a stranglehold on the NBA and the NBA finals. And now we're going to have new blood in there as analysts with Mike Breen, the longstanding, you know, Hall of Fame caliber voice of the NBA for ESPN and ABC. Yeah, apparently Mark Jackson was going to get demoted to the B team and didn't want that, so they fired him. Uh, I know that studio show has been a mess. I think Mark Jackson could have been fine on the studio show. I don't know why that didn't work out, why they didn't go that direction. Uh, The studio show is, you could argue, just as valuable as your lead commentating team. Ask TNT about it. Look at their studio show. More people know them than their lead announcing team. Um, But I'm with Jason here. Like, I'm not huge on Mark Jackson as is. I think Doc should be an upgrade, but – I, I'm going to miss Van Gundy, and Doris has got some big shoes to fill there. And, and to add to Jason's point as well, he, he brought up about the league wasn't high on Van Gundy. The league is very high on Doc Rivers and Doris Burke. I think ESPN was doing what they could to make the NBA happy to put themselves in the driver's seat because for they're the upcoming trying TV to get them to re-up. To get in. Exactly. They're trying to get them to re-up. Jason, final thought? That was my that was my point is is the contract I think comes up next year and I know NBC there's a lot of rumblings that NBC wants back into the NBA and maybe that was a movie ESPN had to make in order to play nice with the NBA for negotiating purposes. And again for Mark Jackson if you still think you are good enough to be network level in the booth on a number 1 team maybe you're holding out that NBC gets it and you end up on NBC in the booth. I don't know. Maybe he just wants to kick back and get paid for 2023 and 2024, Mark Jackson. So uh, we'll see what happens, but it's a big shakeup. Again, those guys, those three guys had done 15 NBA finals in a row. So now new blood coming in, whatever you think of it. Uh, and we got a whole nother podcast where we can think of whether an analyst should be doing the NBA finals that never played in the NBA, much less in the playoffs or the NBA finals, male, female, Martian. Should you have someone sitting there that didn't play or didn't coach in the NBA playoffs or the NBA finals when it's the playoffs, when it's the finals and they're the, and they're the, uh, she's not the only analyst Doris Burke, but if Michael Wilbon was sitting there or Stephen A. Smith is sitting there, Honestly, as a as a fan, as somebody watching this, I want to hear the people that play. Doc Rivers played in the playoffs, coached in the NBA Finals. Van Gundy coached in the in the playoffs in the finals. Mark Jackson played in the playoffs, if not the finals. You would prefer to hear that, by and large. It's just me saying that one more time. So there you go on those fronts. Listen, guys, you've done a great job giving me a ton here on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast. Jason Powers, plug away. Because if they enjoyed this conversation for the Powers on Sports podcast, they're going to hear some more of Powers and who this week? Mr. Tyler Jones is joining us. We're starting our NFL pre-division reviews in uh, NFC West and AFC North with Team C covers. So thanks again for Tyler for doing that. So check out the podcast this week. That'll be coming out probably Thursday morning. Powers on Sports Podcast is where you find that. Jason will also be doing a great job with college football stuff from the state of Florida point of view, Florida Football Insiders. Uh, for the college football coverage. Tyler Jones, plug away for the NASCAR coverage with David Starr, your own stuff, chat sports, go. Let's go racing. Uh, Jones Support, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, check us out, chat sports on YouTube. Uh, and give me a follow on social media, all social media platforms, at Tyler Jones Live. You can find me there. 
Love that. Boys, great job with the sports media here. The last word on sports media podcast. Thank you, Jason Powers. Thank you, Tyler Jones. We thank you for listening. Make sure you're following, subscribing, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We got great sports media stuff for you each and every week. Rocking on through the summer. Football about to be here. We've been talking all about all these different subjects in the sports media world on the last word on sports media podcast.